your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Psalms, chapter 105. Amen. Psalms, chapter 105. And uh, typically, we dismiss for Sunday school right now. Uh, but today is our covering service. And I'm going to be preaching, amen, about a covering. And we're going to conclude in this altar call with the students and the kids coming to the front for prayer. And we're going to be praying over all of our kids, young people, young men, young women that don't want to be identified as kids no more. Pray for all of them. And uh, we're not going to be long here today unless the Lord says so. Uh, if you help me preach, amen, we'll be quicker. If you don't help me preach and the isolated one up here on the island. Uh, we may go all day. If somebody begins to get with it and preach with us. Amen. I have uh, opened my heart and my ear, amen, to the voice of my pastor. And he has said that uh, in the workings of the, of the church service, there's the anointing that is upon the man of God to preach the message to the people. And that anointing will come off of the man of God and it will shift to the people at a particular juncture in the service. And that typically is where the altar call is. And it's at that transitional moment when the anointing shifts from the pulpit to the pew, if you will, that that's the moment, and that's the time, and that's the opportunity for the people to respond and to say, I'm going to get that into my spirit. That response oftentimes looks like an altar call. That's why we have it here. When we come to the front, it's not an admission of guilt. It's not an admission of I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm not right with God. But it's it can be that. But it's also a time when it's, God, I'm going to get that word of God that's preached. And I'm going to put it in my spirit. I'm going to, God, pray that deep into my soul. And we have that opportunity here. And I pray that as that anointing begins to shift, amen, from right here to where you're sitting, that you would have a proper response to the preached word of God. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 105, if you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't have it, say wait for me. Wait for me. Amen. Psalms 105. And again. Let's bring our Bibles to the house of God every time we come to church. Amen. We're thankful for Sister Gina and doing the multimedia. But it is in no wise meant to be a replacement for bringing our Bibles to church. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Abraham, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He hath remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. And then skipping a few verses to verse 23. Amen. For the sake of time. 
Same chapter, verse 23. Israel also came into Egypt. And here we begin to get, amen, into what we're going to be talking about here for a few moments this morning. Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. That's talking about the Israelites becoming stronger than the, than the country of Egypt. God strengthened his people. He turned their heart, the heart of the Egyptians, to hate his people, to deal subtly with his servants. And he sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. God's plan begins to develop towards for the people of God. And skipping one more time to verse number 38. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them fell upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. And I want to preach this morning on coverings. Amen. Just that one word, coverings. And we're going to talk about it. And we want, by the help of the Holy Ghost, amen, God, to move in this place today. Amen. Would you, would you put your Bibles down? Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you stretch your hands towards this pulpit and would you pray that God would anoint me today and that God would anoint every heart and every mind. God, I pray right now in this place, Lord, that the anointing of the Holy Ghost, God, that that anointing of the prophets of old, the prophets, God, of the Word of God, I pray, God, that that anointing, God, in my past, that anointing, God, of the mighty men of God that have led the apostolic church, God would fall upon me this Sunday morning to preach your word today in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You can be seated today. In the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Coach K, Phil Jackson, John Wooden from UCLA. Some of the greatest coaches, perhaps some of you young people or some of you like myself, middle-aged people now, may have heard of those names. How many heard of any of those names? Coach K, Phil Jackson, John Wooden. Some of the best coaches that ever uh, led teams. And if you begin to look into their methods of coaching, uh, Phil Jackson would lead the, I think it was the Lakers, to multiple titles. Coach K would lead his college basketball team to multiple titles. John Wooden from UCLA would lead his uh, team to multiple championships, to multiple uh, titles and wins. And all those three coaches preached the same message over and over and over again until they beat it into their teams. It was the fundamentals. They preached it into their teams, the fundamentals, the basics, not how to how to do 360 slam dunks, not how to do uh, all these different the Mona Lisa dunk and all these different moves on the basketball court. But they preached the fundamental messages, how to pass the basketball how to make a layup, how to, how to shoot a free throw. And they preached it over and over again to their teams until they, the teams and the players begin to get it into them, 
into their core being and they begin to realize I've just got to do the fundamentals. I've got to make the layup. I've got to make the free throw. I've got to, I've got to play defense. I've got to follow my shot and on down the line. And there's something to be said about the fundamentals today. There's something to be said about a team that knows the fundamentals, the things that make us what we are, the things at our core that keep us, amen, in this particular setting today. What makes us the apostolic church? What makes us, amen, the true people of God that separates, that delineates, that distinguishes the people of God from every other church that's out there on the street corner? There is a difference if you haven't figured it out. There's a difference, and it's and we're going to be talking about some very fundamental things today. Amen. There is a need for a covering today, and we're going to be praying over the young people here in a few moments. And I begin to think, as preparing for this message, it was in the in the mid to late 80s. I believe it was the late 80s that uh, my family and I we lived in the city of Stockton, uh, and. We were in a particular school district, and the school district, uh, the place where we live, uh, said that all of me and my brothers had to go to Cleveland School, Cleveland Elementary School, and we had to be there going to Cleveland Elementary School. And so my mom began to, you know, we we were just new to the to the area from San Jose where we lived before, and she got us into the school district and began to get us signed up, and. The only one that was not able to get into Cleveland school was myself. For some odd reason, she tried and tried and tried. It would be so much easier and so much uh, more efficient if we could all go to the same school. But I was the only one that was not able, for whatever uh, administrative or bureaucratic reason, was not able to get into Cleveland school. Instead, myself, I had to go down the road to Harrison Elementary School in Stockton. And there I was, the only one. My three brothers were off to Cleveland School every single day, and I was going to Harrison School. Uh, Keep in mind that I grew up in a home where mom and dad prayed every day. Mom and dad prayed every single day, God, keep your hand upon my kids. Keep your hands upon my babies. Keep your hands upon the boys. God, don't let them get into harm. Don't let them get into trouble. Keep your hand upon them. Keep them from harm. Keep them from evil. And it was in the, the late 80s that there in Stockton, California, that Stockton began to be on the news all over the country and maybe even throughout the world uh, because that was one of the first major shootings, school shootings that took place that particular year at Cleveland School. Uh, and Kyle Purdy was the individual that came onto the campus with the AK-47 and he opened up fire and began to mow down kids that were there on the playground. And the class that was on the playground at that particular time when Kyle Purdy, uh, he, he just, uh, when he rushed the, the, the playground and he opened fire, was my class that I would have been in. It was my grade level that would that was there on the, on, the, on the playground. It was the class that I was gonna be in that was there that would have been exposed to the stray bullet, uh, that would have been exposed to a certain death, perhaps. And I want to tell you today that there is a power in covering our young people. There's a power in covering, amen, our kids and our college kids with prayer. Amen. It matters a great deal, amen, do we cover our family in prayer. And I said that, amen, so you can know the importance and to see the effect of prayer. And since the Cleveland School in the late 80s, there's been a number of school shootings that have taken place throughout the country. 
I believe one of the, the, the following notable shootings was there at Columbine High School. Amen. Where another, uh, I think it was a group of individuals being opened up fire. And they began to find, uh, whereas Kyle Purdy was targeting the Asian community and trying to kill them because he was racist. The individuals at Columbine were going against those that had Christian beliefs. And they asked one girl, I think her name was Emily. Uh, they asked her, are you going to recant? Are you going to go back on your confession of Christ? You're going to go back on your, your belief that Jesus is the only saving God? Are you going to go back on your belief of Christianity? Are you going to face the bullet that we're going to put in your head? And she said, I will never recant. I'll never denounce. I'll never, I'll never regret the day I decided to give my heart to God. And the story records that Emily faced an untimely death because of her conviction. Amen. And I will tell you today that in the truth, in the 21st century, we still need convictions. Yes. Amen. The apostolic church cannot get away from having a lifestyle of having convictions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need all that old fashioned convictions. I remember when I was growing up, there was people that would go back and forth about, I have a conviction about living for God this way. I have a conviction about living for God this way or that way. And by and large, those convictions were in the right direction. Those convictions were something that says, I'm going to let go of this so I can have more of God. It wasn't something that they could find scripture for in the word of God that said, don't uh, don't do this. Don't play this game. Don't watch that video. But it was a conviction that there, there's a, there's a Holy Ghost that's working inside of me, and I've got to, and it's telling me I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to listen to that. I don't want you to watch that. I don't want you to partake of this particular substance or this particular device or this particular relationship. And there was convictions that they had. Hallelujah. And we still need convictions in the apostolic church. Amen. amen. It should not be that every time we preach something, amen, there's someone that says, well, well, uh, you know, that's going to be a little bit too much. That Sure, that's going to help me get more of God, but I don't know if I need to go that far in living for God. I don't know if I need to go that far in living for God. I don't know if I need to do that much in living for God. When all it's going to do is drive you closer to Him if you'll just... Allow some convictions to lead your life. Convictions come out of praying. And I want to talk today, amen, about coverings. Amen. And we need a covering of prayer over our lives. We need a covering of prayer over our families. We need a covering of prayer that happens in our homes. Amen. We cannot survive without a covering of prayer. Amen. Too many people, amen, patty caking. Too many people, amen, pretending. Too many people acting like you're an apostolic, acting like you're a child of God, a Christian, and you don't even talk to the King of Kings. Amen. If you, as, as Pastor Shoemaker said, if you, if you showered as much as you prayed, nobody would come around you for the stench. I would say if you talk to your spouse, to, amen, the amount of time that you pray, many of us would be divorced or estranged from our spouses. There must be that level of communication. There must be that connection that we're having with God. Amen. I'm preaching about prayer for a moment, but make no mistake about it. Praying is a covering for your life. Prayer is a covering, amen, over the attacks of hell that come against your mind. Amen. It's when I pray that I can come again 
It's when I pray. It's when I call upon the name of the Lord that the fiery dart that comes into my mind and says, why don't you do this? Why don't you entertain this thought? Why don't you entertain that thought? Praying as a covering. Says, no. I've got my mind covered in prayer. I've got my mind covered in prayer. And there must be a covering in our lives. Amen. As families, we need to pray over our kids. As families, as moms and dads, single or married, whatever, you need to pray over your kids. Amen. I can pray as a pastor and I can pray, but there's going to be times when I might forget to pray. But as a mom and a dad, every day you should be praying, God, keep your hands upon my babies. God, keep your hands. God, cover them. I don't know what harm would await them at the supermarket or at the mall or at school or at daycare. But God, cover my babies. Cover them. We need to pray for our kids. Husbands, you need to pray for your wives. You need to pray for your wives. Amen. It's all about being the strong man of the house. I'm going to pray for my wife. Devil, you can't have her mind. Devil, you can't take her soul. God, I'm going to pray that you would cover my wife. I'm going to pray that you cover them. I'm praying, God, keep your hand upon my wife. God, keep your hand upon my spouse. If you're married to an uh, an unbelieving spouse, you pray for them anyways. God, I'm praying for my husband. I'm praying for my wife. God, they're not living for you, but God, cover them. God, somehow, God, have your way in their lives. Somehow, God, cover them. Cover them, Lord. And I'll take it a step further for those of you that are not married yet, but you want to get married, cover your future spouse in prayer. Cover your future spouse in prayer. God, wherever she is, wherever that man is, God, cover them. God, keep your hand upon them. God, protect them. God, preserve them. I believe that with all of my heart. And I've done that. Anybody here in the ninth grade? Eighth grade? Eighth grade? When I was Brother Terrence's age, in the eighth grade, Sister Clemens came through one of our chapel services, and she said to all the students that were unmarried, amen, we don't live in certain parts of the country where you can do that. Praise God. Amen. you got to wait a while to get your brain developed. But when I was Terrence's age, I began praying for my spouse. I said, well, he wasn't married. No, I wasn't married. But I believe one day I was going to be married. And I wanted to make sure when that day came and I met her, that she wasn't uh, not being uncovered all those years. And the devil could have his way in her life. And I pray since I was Terrence's age, Brother Terrence's age, God, wherever my wife is, I know she's out there somewhere. I'll find her one day. I'll look everywhere. I'll find her. But God, when I find her, God, I'm going to pray right now before I find her that you cover her. Cover her mind. Cover her heart. Don't let her get bitter when people mistreat her. 
God, I pray you put your hand upon her. I prayed crazy prayers. I prayed, God, blind the eyes of all the other guys that are out there in her world. I prayed that a thousand times. God, blind their eyes. Don't let them come near her. Keep her for me, Lord. That when I come into her, into her life, she would say, you're my first boyfriend. God, keep your hand upon her. Prepare her, God. That when we meet one another, God, it'll be the right time. And we'll have gone through the necessary steps of preparation. God, keep your hand upon her. God, blind the eyes of all the guys out there. And sure enough, when I met my wife, she said, man, no guys would come near me for all those years. Nobody would even approach me. I never had one boyfriend. I attracted all the crazy guys, which was easy to say no to. And that was because we was praying. I was praying. She said, it makes sense now. I don't know, maybe God helped her brother Jason to grow big and strong and be the threatening force that he was because he would tell all the guys don't you come near my sister but God heard my prayers God answered my prayers you can pray for things that are out there in the future some of you that are single and want to be married you need to start praying God wherever my spouse is out there prepare him but don't just prepare him and don't just cover him cover my mind and prepare me God so that when we meet God for the very first time, and we meet eye to eye, and we see face to face, God, I'll be where I need to be, and she'll or he'll be where they need to be, and God, you're covering us the whole time in between. There's a covering that you and I need to pray for our families and for our future spouses, for our future families. We need to cover them. We need to pray for our kids and for our spouses, and we need to cover our finances in prayer. Amen. We need to cover our finances. God, I pray, God, you cover my finances. Cover, God, uh, my material possessions. Cover everything about me. God, be that force around me. Be that covering of protection over my life. Be that covering over my finances. I'm going to manage my finances to the best of my ability. I'm going to pay my bills on time. I'm going to try and get the highest credit score I can. I'm going to be faithful in tithe and offering. I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be charitable in my contributions. I'm going to make sure I take care of my family first. And I'm being wise with my finances. And I'm praying God cover them. God bless my finances. Prosper me, Lord. Nothing wrong with praying like that. There's Bible. God bless me. Bless your people. Bless us, Lord. Cover us. Everything that we say and do, God, I pray that you be a part of it. Amen. In the Psalms chapter 105 that we open up this message with this, this morning, amen, we read about a how in verse number 39, he spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. Amen. God provided a covering for his people. God provided a cloud that was to hover over the children of Israel through that wilderness. For 40 years, God provided a covering for them. Amen. God provided that, that shelter for them. And as long as they stayed under that cloud, they were protected. Amen. From the harm that the wilderness would try to inflict upon them. And as long as they stayed under that cloud, they were protected from the onslaught of the enemy that was all around them. Amen. The Bible says that uh, they were not ready to face an enemy army. Amen. So God began to put a covering upon them. God began to put that cloud over them. And as long as you and I stay under that umbrella of authority, 
and we stay, amen, under that cloud of covering. Amen. There's protection in being in perfect alignment with the will of God. There's protection in being covered. Amen. There's protection in. Hallelujah. 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 I understand that on Sunday mornings we aim to preach evangelistic message. Amen. And there will be elements of that woven through today. Amen. But this message is for the church. It's for our families. And we want God to cover our kids. We want God to cover our babies. There's coverings that are in the word of God. The blood is one of those coverings. The first one we read about in Psalms 105, the cloud was a covering. And that cloud would lead them and it would guide them. And throughout the day, it was a protection from the, 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 the hot sun from burning them. Uh, and that cloud was there. But there's also other types of coverings. And it's in Exodus chapter 12 and 13. If you have it, Sister Gina, why don't we turn there? Exodus chapter 12 and 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. The blood, as it's referenced here in Exodus, uh, was uh, this took place in that holiday that was later called the Passover. The Passover was a time, amen, when the, uh, the wrath of God was to be poured out upon the Egyptians. It was going to be poured out, and it was going to be poured out across the land on all of the firstborns, on all of the firstborns. But I want to tell you that as the people of God began to put the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost of their house, the blood was applied to the doorpost of their house. The angel that would pass over would see the blood on the doorpost of the house, and the angel would pass over that house that had the blood covered. Amen. And there is a New Testament application. Amen. For the blood. Amen. It's applied to you and I in the waters of baptism. The blood of Jesus is applied to you and I when we go down in the water in the name of Jesus. Amen. And all of our sins are washed away. Amen. And the blood is covering a multitude of sins. And whenever you step into that water, take with. Amen. Whenever you step into the water with. Amen. With the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb is applied to your life in baptism. Amen. All the addictions have to go. All the sins of your youth, the sins of your past, the adulterous, fornicated relationships. Amen. The old sins. Amen. What you did yesterday, last night, last year, 20 years ago, it's buried in the waters of baptism and the blood is applied to your life. I still believe in the blood that works in 2018. I still believe in the blood of Jesus that can cover a multitude of sins. Hallelujah. Don't tell me I'm too messed up. Don't tell me I'm too broken. Don't tell me I'm broken so bad beyond repair that the blood can't fix it. The blood of Jesus, amen, can wash away the vilest of sinners. The blood of Jesus is there to wash away every sin. 
There's something we learned when I was when I was a young person. I learned it. Amen. Those of you that have grown up in church a long time, you've heard the phrase, no doubt. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. In other words, I'm calling to remembrance the blood that was shed on Calvary for my sins. Right now, in this moment of life, I'm calling to remembrance the blood of Jesus. And I want to tell you there were many times. Many times in my life where I felt uh, I felt like the hell was coming against me. Amen. My brother Paul can tell you. Amen. We shared a we shared a bedroom and we had bunk beds and there were many nights. Amen. I woke up where Paul would wake up and we would say, pray, pray, feel the devil coming against me. And we begin to sing, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. Young person. Amen. Whenever you face something in your life, you can still call on the blood of Jesus. Amen. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to remember as young people today. Amen. If you're ever in a school setting, if you ever find yourself in the mall, amen, and there happens to be, amen, a shooter, amen, an active shooter, amen, you better make sure you remember this message and you begin to say with your lips, amen, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over my life. Hallelujah. Because Satan cannot touch the blood. He cannot go beyond the blood that was shed on Calvary. Satan sees the blood. He can't touch it. And when he sees your life, Brother Nathan, and it's covered in blood, it's covered in blood, the blood of Jesus. Don't tell me this ain't some pretty message. Amen. Many of you, amen, watch, amen, video games and movies and there's blood splatting everywhere. Amen. There's nothing wrong with preaching about the blood of Jesus. It's still relevant in 2018. Amen. The blood of Jesus is still relevant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some years ago, they tried to, uh, they, they found the old songbooks where we used to sing and they began to strip out. Every song that alluded or talked about the blood of Jesus, because that wasn't uh, that wasn't uh, comforting for the new visitor. The blood wasn't a comforting topic. It wasn't a comforting subject. Uh, amen. I want to tell you, Amen. It may not be pretty, Amen, but the blood still works. The blood still works. The blood still works. Hallelujah. The blood still works. Whatever you come to this church with, whatever addiction or vice or hang up or obsession or addiction that has you bound, the blood of Jesus will help you to overcome, will help you, and it will wash away a multitude of sins. It's a covering today. The blood is a covering. I want to apply it to my life. I want to apply it to my life. There's power. In the blood of the Lamb. Another covering that we would talk about for a moment is submission to the authority that God places in our lives. That's a covering. Submission to authority can be explained as an umbrella that comes over you. 
Amen. That authority that is over your life is an umbrella of protection. Amen. So that the things that would come uh, everywhere around you would not touch you. Amen. I, as long as I live, I'm going to subject myself to authority in my life. Amen. I subject myself even today to Bishop Camarina, who's my father. But I know there's times when he speaks to me, not as my dad, but he speaks to me as bishop of the church. And he says, son, you need to watch out for this. Son, you need to do this. And I don't argue with him. Amen. I may, I may disagree at the moment, but if I submit myself and I say, yes, I'm trying. Yes, I hear you. Help me, God, to get there. There's blessing in submission to authority. There's blessing in it. And for the first six or so years, five and a half years of, of my marriage, we were attending First Church San Jose under Pastor Jonathan Shoemate. And I was a yes man, and I'm proud of it. You say, well, you don't, you don't need to be a yes man all the time. I know that my pastor prays. And I know that he's looking out for my benefit. And he would say, Brother Nate, I don't want you to do this. And in my mind, my reaction at first was, but you don't understand. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If God spoke to you, if God is leading you, yes, sir. And I'm going to tell you, God blessed me abundantly. Amen. From living in the Bay Area with a single income under $100,000 a year, we bought a house, a beautiful remodeled townhouse in the top 10 school district. That's God. Right. Blessing. Right. Not because I'm special, but because I said, God, I'm just going to submit myself. And there were many times in my job there was layoffs. There was corporate restructurings that happened all the time. Those of you in corporate, the corporate world understand what I'm talking about. There's always some new corporate initiative. We're going to cut this department and cut that department. We're going to be efficient here and be efficient there. And every time, every 10 to 14 months, another promotion, 20% increase, 30% increase, going up and up and up until it was God's time for me to leave the Bay Area and God just gave me the boot time to go but in the middle of it all I submitted even when I could have said well Pastor Shoemaker you told me it was God's will for me to come I believed it but here I am with no job and no house man did he really hear from God did I really hear from God but nonetheless, God, I'm going to submit myself to the authority in my life. I know what you put in my spirit. I know you blessed. You put your blessing upon it with my leadership. And God will bless me. God will take care of me. And it was about a few months after losing my job, selling the house, moving in with my parents, that God allowed us to buy a brand new house. And where we are today. And to God be all the glory. But there's blessing and submission. There's blessing in having that covering over our lives. 
man, the men need to submit to the voice of of the pastor. In this setting, I'm the pastor. Hebrews 13 and 17 says, Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account. It's a humbling place to be in. It's not one that you brag on and you say, submit to me. Because in that scripture is that man must give an account before God. As a man of God for this church, I I will stand before God and God will say, did you preach this? Did you preach that? Did you talk about that? Did you teach this? Did you teach them how to pray? Did you teach them from the scriptures? Did you teach them the word of God? Did you teach your personal opinion? Was it the word of God? And that umbrella of authority, wherein is a covering, is extended. Because in Colossians 3 and 18, wives, wives, submit to your husbands. Wives, submit to your husbands. There's times a man when, if the man is praying, seeking the face of God, the will of God, he may say, this is what we're going to do as a family. And the wife may want to just say, no, you didn't consult with me. We're a team. And there's times to be a team. And there's times for the man to lead and say, I'm going to follow God. And the wives have the a responsibility to submit to their husbands. The kids must submit. For 1 Peter 5 and 5 says, The younger shall submit unto the elders. Nobody is exempt from the umbrella of authority. Nobody is exempt from being submitted. For the Bible would further encapsulate it and say, Submit yourselves therefore one to another. In case you didn't want to believe any of the other scriptures we read, it's submit yourselves, therefore, to one another. God, I want that covering over my life. As a man of the house, I want to be submitted to my pastor. As a woman of the house, I want to be submitted to my husband. As the kids, I want to be submitted to my parents because I want to make sure that that covering is, is, that, is that umbrella of authority over my life. It's there over my life. And even when you don't like it, and even when you don't personally agree with it, there must be submission to authority in your life. Because in the submission is a covering. In the submission to authority is the covering. There's a covering when you say, God, I'm stepping out and I'm obeying my husband. I'm stepping out and I'm obeying my mom and dad. I'm stepping out, God, and I'm obeying my pastor. And God, you've got to protect me. God, you've got to keep your hand upon my life. There's a covering that God wants to put upon this church. How many know that the Word of God says we are made in the image of God? How many have heard that scripture? We're made in the image of God. And he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To deface the king's image is a sort of treason among men, according to one writer. 
implying a hatred against him. I'll say that again. To deface the king's image is a sort of treason among men, implying a hatred against him, and that if he himself were within reach, he would be served in the same manner. How much more treasonous and treasonable then must it be to destroy, to curse, or oppress in any way to abuse the image of the king of kings. There's a covering that God has put in our lives. And we got to make sure that we get the covering right. It's a covering of prayer. It's a covering of submission. For the, for the women, 1 Corinthians 11 and 15 says, But if a, long, if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her, her hair is given her for a covering. In the Greek, that long hair is uninterrupted. It's uncut. The uncut hair of a woman is her covering. It's her glory. I asked my mom before church, how long has it been, mom, since you cut your hair? 41 years. 41 years since the scissors have last visited her hair. It's a covering. And I'm going to tell you, my mom has stood in the gap in prayer many, many times. Another woman I can think of would be Brother Josh's mom, Sister Hoyle. I've got a lot of respect for her. Those, these women, and these are the ones that I, I know, they have, never, they have not allowed the scissors to visit their hair in a long time. It's been decades, and there's a covering that God wants to put upon his people. The Bible says that because, uh, because of the uncut hair, there's power with the angels. There's power with the angelic host of heaven. And when a Sister Kathy Camarina goes to praying, I'm going to guarantee, Sister Camarina, there's some angels in that room. And they're making a big deal of the fact that it's uncut hair. You say, well, I, can't, I cut my hair uh, in, the, in the past, last week, last month. Amen. You've got to make a commitment, a covenant today. From this day forward, I'm going to allow my hair to be uninterrupted. I want that covenant to be over my life. Because when you pray, women, amen, there's a power you have with the angels. There's a power you've got with the angels. There's a power you've got with the angels. Hallelujah. The mama, amen, can stand in the gap. And all those years, Brother Josh, when you wasn't living for God, mama was praying with that uncut hair, that covering, saying, God, keep your hand upon my Josh. God, keep your hand upon my Josh. God, keep your hand upon him. And I guarantee there was angels that were watching over him. There were some angels because of that uninterrupted hair. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 14. Amen. Talking about coverings. The Bible says ye are the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. You don't put light under a bushel. You don't put light and cover it up. You don't cover up light. You let light express itself. You let light illuminate the world around you. You let light 
gold. Amen. You let light shine. Amen. You are the light of the world. Amen. There's no reason, amen, why a woman, amen, or a man, amen, would need to cover up, amen, the glory of God from shining forth from their faces. Amen. There is a reason, amen, that God, amen, requires, amen, God and the word of God associates the wearing of makeup with the idolatrous Jezebel. Amen. It was covering up the emptiness in her soul. But the people of God, amen, got the Holy Ghost. And there's a light that illuminates from their faces. There's a light that shines forth. Amen. Ye are the light of the world. I'm going to tell you, amen, the people of God have got the Holy Ghost and fire. And there's no reason to put it under a bushel. There's no reason for covering it up. Amen. To shine forth. Amen. God, let your glory shine. Amen. And we're submitted unto God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is power in covering the right things and uncovering the wrong things. The only individual, the only individual ever clothed or covered with jewelry in my Bible was Lucifer. For Ezekiel 28 and 13 says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle and gold, the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Oftentimes we're covering the wrong thing. We're covering our bodies with the wrong things. Our flesh should be covered. Amen. There should be modesty and holiness in the house of God. I'm talking about coverings. God's fixing to move on our young people here in a moment. But we got to understand the proper theological perspective of a covering. Amen. There's a covering. God takes delight when his people are covered. The first thing Adam and Eve in the garden did when they realized they were naked was they tried to cover it up. They did it their own way. They used fig leaves. And God said, you're, you're not doing that right. Let me tell you something, honey. You need to put on some more than some fig leaves. You need to cover that flesh. Because God wants his people to have a different look. God said we're to be a peculiar people. Yes. We're to show forth the praises of Him. And I'm going to tell you as we as we close, we need a revival of conviction. You say, what 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 do you mean, Pastor? Conviction. Conviction is something that may not be spelled out in the word of God, but it's my...
covering is for those who want it. What you do in the dark will be brought to the light. Prayer is the only connection to me, and without it, you have nothing. Can we lift our voice unto the Lord? Can we lift our hands? Oh, God. Come on, church. Let's lift our voices. Come on, if you receive that into your spirit, why don't you lift a hand to God? Why don't you lift your voice? Why don't you reach out to Him right now? God, I'm praying, Lord, that you cover our children, cover your people. God, let us be covered in holiness. Let us be covered in prayer. Let us be connected to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, I think we need to respond to the word of the Lord. Come on. Come on, what you just heard was tongues and interpretation. Amen. Where God chooses to speak directly through the mouth of the people and bring forth the word from heaven. Amen. To the people of God. Amen. That was not orchestrated. Amen. That was divinely planned by God. God, I pray, Lord, you pull out of your spirit this place right now, Lord. Can we stand to our feet in this place as we close? Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is confirming the word brought forth. I don't, I don't, I don't tell, I don't advertise what I'm going to preach. Ever. Some of you may have asked me at different times, what are you going to preach today? Many times my response is, I'm not telling. Because I don't know. God may change it at the last minute. I want God to lead us. I want God to have his way. I don't ever want to read about one of our young people in the news. They were shot in the mall. The fragments of a bomb hit them. They're blinded. And we're going to cover 
We're going to cover our families in prayer tonight, today. You say, what can a covering do? So maybe I believe you. So maybe I see it in the Word of God. What's the outflow? What's the impact of a proper covering? What can it do for me? All you need to do is turn your Bible to the book of Job and read about how the Lord had the conversation with the devil in heaven. Have you considered my servant Job? Yeah, I see him. But I can't touch him. You're protecting him, God. You got his, your hands all around him. I, I can't even get near him. You're blessing him. It's not fair. I can't even touch him. That's the power of a covering. That's the power of being covered by the blood. That's the power of being covered with prayer. Being covered in authority. Being covered. The devil looks at his life and says, I would. You, God, you don't even know. I'll make him curse you to your face. But you got him covered. You got him all protected. This church, if it will make up its mind, I'm going to cover my home, my mind, daily in prayer. If you haven't been baptized, amen, I want to tell you, I want to command you to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a commandment. And the blood of Jesus will be applied to your life in the waters of baptism. Amen. Yes. And there's not a sin that will be remembered. There's not a sin that will come up out of that water. Because you're covered. At this time, here's how I would like us to do it. I'd like for all the students from daycare to college to just lie in this front shoulder to shoulder. One long line facing, facing the pulpit. If you're, in, if you're going off to daycare, if you're in college, elementary school, high school, I want you to line up shoulder to shoulder. As, as if you can go all the way out, that's okay. I want you to line up shoulder to shoulder. Brother Noah, help me push these, these front row chairs. Brother, Brother Tim, help me push this front row of chairs back. Thank you, Brother Miguel. I want you to line up. Line up shoulder to shoulder. Stretch out across. There's a lot of room here. Stretch out across the altar. Let's get up a little. Let's scoot this way just a little bit more. We're going to take our time on purpose so Jenna, such a, Jenna can come in here. Let's scoot up just a little bit more. These are all the kids, young men, young women that daily go to daycare. They go to kindergarten, elementary school, high school, no college in here yet. And there's a lot of things that could happen in those daycares, school campuses. And as a church, we're going to pray. We're going to pray in the name of Jesus that God would cover you, your life, your mind. We're not just going to pray that God would cover you uh, from being harmed physically. But we want to pray that God would cover your minds. Because there's a lot of things that are being taught in our schools that are contrary to the word of God. And we're going to pray. The next thing I'd like us to do is I'd like to have the parents to come in behind them. 
I want the parents to come in behind the young people. Come in behind your young people. I want Bishop Camarina, Sister Camarina, Sister Rayan, Brother Paul, I want you to come up here on the, on the platform. If Sister Shannon can come up here, amen, why don't you come up here? And we're going to pray. Amen. What we're doing here is has spiritual significance and can have eternal significance. We're going to do this every year till the Lord comes. Once a year, we're going to pray. I need some oil, Bishop. Before we do, I want us to stretch our hands forth. I want us to, I want us to talk to God right now. Come on, I'd like for all of us to stretch our hands Hallelujah. to heaven right now. Yeah. If you will, just close your eyes and just reach out to God. God, we're asking you right now, Lord, that you would be in this place. I ask you for a witness of the Holy Ghost right now, Lord. I pray, God, for a witness of the Holy Ghost. God, as we step out and we pray, God, for every young person, God, from, from daycare to high school right now, I'm praying, God, that you would put your hand upon them, Lord, for the next 365 days. Lord, is there in school or daycare? Keep your hand upon them. In Jesus' name, come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Now, right now, amen, I want everybody to come and pray. Amen, I want the parents to begin to pray for their children. Amen, those of you that are not up here, you can either come up here and pray or stretch your hands forth and pray. Amen, I want the ministry team up here. Amen, Brother Paul, Sister Rena, Sister Camila, make your way and lay hands. I want you to begin to pray. Come on, let's spread out. Let's spread out. Sister Camila, come on down. 